I knew that I was going to be in big trouble this week uh, on this particular parable. For those of you who are maybe joining us for the first time or in a while, I'm taking the summer to preach on parables. But I knew that I was in trouble when I was consulting all the commentaries and resources that I usually consult in preparation for a sermon, and they all essentially said, yeah, good luck this week. This parable has been challenging biblical scholars for centuries. Sometimes this story is called the shrewd steward. And in others, it is referred to as the dishonest manager. The two different titles alone paint a bias, only reiterating the complexities And you realize it's going to raise more questions than answers. To recap the story, because with all the pronouns, I find it difficult to follow. There's a rich man who has a business manager. Somebody squeals to the boss that this manager was wasting and squandering the boss's property. And the business manager is busted. His boss confronts him, asking the manager to show him the books. And at this point, he realizes he's in big trouble. And he's going to lose his job. So the business manager wonders what he can do. He can't dig ditches. He's way too proud to beg. And so he has a brilliant idea. He's going to fix it so that his boss's customers will owe him big time. So they'll have to take care of him. And he calls in all the boss's debtors one by one, and he slashes their bill, drastically discounting what they owe. And it turns out to be a win-win situation. The boss gets more cash flow, so he's happy. The debtors get a big discount, so they're happy. And the manager gets to make friends with those who owe him something. So he's happy. He has dealt with an urgent and desperate situation very cleverly. This story should make you go, what? What in the world? This this, this. This honest person is shrewd, and he's commended by his actions? This story should raise questions like, what does this say about Jesus? (laughs) What does this say about the beloved community of God, the kingdom of God? How does this story inform our actions as people of faith, as Christians? It should be very troubling. But one thing to remember with the parables is that parables never explain the entirety of the gospel. They may just shed light on one or two aspects. It's like an analogy. You really can only take it so far, okay? So that's important to remember. We live in a world where we are always pulled in multiple directions. 
We hear in Jesus' prayer to God that we are not of this world just as he is not of this world. And yet here we are trying to do the best that we can, pulled in so many directions, trying to discern how to live an authentic life. We do our best to be kind and honest. We try to make a living, and if we're lucky, a meaningful living. We try to take care of our families and our friends. We're just trying to make meaning out of this one precious life. All the while, we live in a world that tells us other things are more important. Wealth accumulation, possessions, getting ahead first, competition, being liked. We're told that others are out to get us, even hurt us. And so much tension can build between these two worlds that it leaves us breathless and moving out of a place of fear instead of abundance. It can lead us to make bad decisions, selfish decisions, even immoral decisions. Now there are times that we can choose to live our lives in a way that's always in line with our values. I think about people who choose to live off the grid, like a group in western North Carolina called Wild Roots. Unlike other communities that are devoted to the environment or opposed to social norms, Wild Roots has no unified vision. It simply desires to live freely and not wasting and constantly learning. Of course, this is an extreme example of organizing your life so it is in tune with your values. For most of us, we still have to or choose to live in full society, perhaps selecting other areas that can devise social norms. For example, I have a friend that is vegan. And he's not just vegan in his food choices, he is vegan in every part of his life. So he doesn't use any animal products, from food to clothing to shoes to the car to furniture. <laughs> it's quite the commitment, but he's committed to, to that value. That is what he has chosen to do. To do. But see, living in this world, but not of it, is difficult. While we can make choices and adjustments to how we live our life, it's difficult. I think it's best compared to someone who struggles with food addiction. When the very thing you're struggling with is also the very thing that keeps you alive, and you have to have it. And so is the same with money. We live in a world where we can't escape it. Our entire society is built on an economic system based on money. 
So how do we balance this? What responsibility do we have? First, it's important to note that the manager is not commended on the mismanagement of the possessions. The master commended the manager because he had dealt shrewdly. Jesus is not praising his unrighteous actions. The admiration is in the brilliant planning. The capstone to all of this is that no, no one can serve two masters. You cannot serve God and wealth. And this is a central theme in Luke. The kingdom of God, the beloved community of God, entails giving up all other commitments, including the commitment to economic security. Luke places great emphasis on how the reign of God reverses the statues of the rich and the poor. In Acts, the Christian community is one where the disciples share all things in common, distributing to all as they have need. This parable in Luke is talking about a different way of using wealth. Our wealth belongs to God and is to be used for the purposes of God's reign among us and not simply for our own interest. Spending money ethically and responsibly is difficult. Choosing to, say, buy clothing that is ethically and responsibly made by, say, shopping at a fair trade store, takes significant planning. It means researching which companies are paying fair wages or not employing child labor. It means reading labels. It means choosing to, say, spend $65 on a dress or $15 on a dress. Choosing to buy, say, eggs or meat or soap from a local source means taking the time to go to the farmer's market or spending time to shop at multiple stores. It means choosing to spend $6 on a dozen eggs instead of $2. But when you choose to make those kinds of decisions with your wealth, The impact reaches further. It supports your neighbor. It ensures people are being paid a fair wage. It means 68% of the dollar stays in the local community compared to 48% when you shop at a food chain. It means product and produce don't have to travel as far, reducing our environmental impact. And it means you are putting money into a Christ-like system. One that goes against the social norms of this world. When you use your wealth in this way, you are building the beloved community of God. 
We do live in this world, but we don't have to be of it. The scripture is clear. Child of light, the instructions are clear, and they're right there. Be smart, make friends for eternity, get your priorities right, serve God, not money. These are Jesus' instructions. And each one of us has to understand and figure out what those instructions mean in our lives. What might we build if we follow them?